This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Okay, so um, we're holding here, I think almost everybody here was here the last week, so I don't need to introduce. Um, we're holding here in the first uh, chapter of the Rambam in Yisodei Torah, where the Rambam discusses some of the fundamentals, and we've seen the first definition of God that he gave us, which is um, the primary cause, um, and we discuss what it means God is true in a very essential way. Um, he then spoke about God being that he brought everything into being, um, has um, is master of the world and so on. And now we're going to go to do seven. He's going to he's going to be speaking about the next most significant aspect of our belief in God. In a, um, in, in in once we have confirmed the idea of a prime being who brought everything into into existence, we now have the second very important step. Seven. Elokaize this God that we're talking about, Echod, who is one. Enoloshnaim, he's not two. Velo Yesal Shnaim, and not more than two. Ela Echod is one. She'en ki Yichudo Echod Menachodem Nimsubalam. The concept of unity, of oneness, as we apply to God, really doesn't have any associate term that means one in the same way. Um, and we'll read his words, and we'll, then, we'll, when, then we'll explain that. I just want to get his words down. He says, Lo Echod, he says, he's not one, Kimin not one in the sense of an overarching unity that includes many details. For instance, when we speak about cows, so the concept of a cow is one concept, but it's something which is really a common denominator of many entities. It's not that. Lo echad kiguf. It's not one like a body. Shunechlok lemachlokos lektavos that has subdivisions. There's nothing like it in the world. That's the first half of, of his point over here. The second half is going to go and prove it, kind of. He's going to go and explain how we know this to be correct. Now, let's stop here and, and, um, and, and go through a few points. One of the points I want to address later on is, is this important in any way but theoretical? In other words, the vast majority of Torah is what we should do and what's right and what's wrong. Does it make a difference if you have one God, God has an assistant, a board of directors, um, you know, does it make a difference? Is, is there anything other than just kind of a metaphysical, um, you know, kind of significance? Uh, and, and, and we would like to think not. And I would, and the, and the truth is, it also begs to ask ourselves why is this the most important aspect of the religion? 
I mean, we talk about the, 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 the declaration of faith is Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Um, so Hashem is our God. The first half of that is, is the first point that he said, that God, besides being an abstract entity, is also something that, um, that, that, that is, instructs us and, and, and commands us, etc. But then Hashem Echad is one. We may believe it to be true, but why is that so central to our faith? Um, you know, it, 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 the fact that something is a truth doesn't really mean it's the truth. And, and, and for us, when we talk about it, we talk about it as if this is the main point. It says that we sacrifice our lives al yichud shmo on on the on the on the monotheism. It's true that most of our opportunities to sacrifice our lives have been vis-a-vis -vis Christians, and our issue with Christians is their sense of multiplicity, a trinity, a duality at minimum, whatever it is. But, but still, um, why is that when we speak about one God as being so significant? Um, it's, that's a point which we should address soon. But I want to first go back to the points he made. He said, there are two ways when we, when we say something, it, it, nothing that we know of is one. And even things that we know of as one are only one um, in terms of what, what we call mikra, meaning it happens to be. For instance, let's say there's an, there's an extinct um, species that some scientists found one of them. Um, that one is one not essential one. There isn't one polka dotted zebra in the world in an essential way. There happens to be one. But it's not as if polka dotted zebras, there is only one. It's, it, it happens to be unique. If, if, if a mutation comes up, there's only one type of, I don't know, fish that can sing. If, if the mutation can happen a second time, can happen a third time, the fish can have kids. These are all one in a sense where it just happens to be one. That's not the way we understand God. It's not one in the sense of an overarching theme that can have many. For instance, when I speak of dancers, so, so a dancer is a term that is one. It describes a person who can dance, a choreographer, but it, 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 that, that refers to all the people that can dance. It's not really, it's, it's a concept that is sort of defining a group of entities. So, so God is not the description of everything that exists together. One more element that's important is God does not consist of parts and pieces um, uh, as subdivisions. Let's take some subdivision that seems to us a little finer. Obviously God does not have hands and feet and, and eyes and a nose, but let's take something that for us is confusing. When, when, I, when, 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 when you have a, a, an acquaintance and somebody says, let me introduce you to Jack, he's a very nice guy. I meet Jack, I talk to him, I say, you know, he's a nice guy, but he, he got angry at somebody and really blew it. So I say, oh, well, Jack has two parts to himself. He's very nice, but when somebody really takes him off, he loses it. So, so what I mean to say is the person's personality is not integrated in one, um, but it's rather, um, you know, we've got different parts of ourselves that sort of jostle for lead. 
So when I'm in a good mood, my nice me comes out. When I'm in a bad mood, my temper comes out, and my ego comes out, or whatever it is. So most people, all of us, have different parts of our personality. They're not totally integrated, and, and sometimes one pushes to the fore. By God, even though we describe different elements of God's interaction, uh, and that's what, and he'll speak about these things, uh, they, they're, they are on the face of it problematic, such as God getting angry, God being happy, God um, ignoring us, and, and so on. They, they, we need to understand it that we're not referring to parts in God. When someone gets me upset, it's part of my psyche that has an issue. When, I, when I'm in a good mood, that's part of my psyche that, has, that, 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 that is, is what it is. That means I'm subdivided and it's possible to see parts of me and bits of me and parts of my personality that are different. I might be very bright in one area, not quite. I might have a fantastic memory, but not very creative thinking. Um, and, and those are fine. But, but, but it means that I, 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 I exist of bits and pieces put together. None of that can apply to God. So when we say God is one, it means all and every facet of the way in which he appears to us is part of one. Let's give an example so that we can have some sort of picture of something that we can relate to. Let's say you have, I guess it's always the best, I don't know, for some reason that, that this comes across as the best um, illustration in my mind. We have a teacher. A teacher in a classroom can be in a good mood, can be in a bad mood, um, can be out of it, can be intense. Sometimes, even teachers are human, believe it or not, and they, and they can, you know, he had, a bad, he had a bad day at home, he had a bad night at home, so he comes in and he's in a bad mood. So the teacher as a human being has different sides and different parts to him, that's that. Let's say I'm, I'm the perfect teacher, the non-existent perfect teacher. So there are different tools I use to move people. Let's say I'm, I'm, the, um, I'm an interrogator of a terrorist. As an interrogator, I'm supposed to be totally emotionless as far as I'm concerned, no feedback, and I'm only supposed to be focused on getting the, 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 the points out of the person. So I may choose to display um, camaraderie, I may choose to display anger, I may choose to display scorn, admiration, all of them, I have only one thing, I'm out there to get him to talk. I'm out there to teach the kids. There are different tools at my disposal, and the tools are really looking at the person, what size drill will get the information into him. Is it you know, challenge? Is it scorn? Is it um, encouragement? It, it's really, I'm one. There's no difference. It's just that looking at the person who's at the receiving end, I need to have different ways to get something in. So when we speak of God's different attributes and the, the ways in which He interacts with us, we're talking about us, not God. God has one purpose, to bring us to good, to do good, to be good. And different people at different times need a variety of different messages. So the oneness of God internally so it does not allow us to label sub-entities. God's anger is not God's anger, it's God's use of anger. God's use of warmth, encouragement, and so on. 
those are the ways because anything other than that would sort of be subdividing God into sub-entities. Let's talk a little bit about two of the points. Before we go on to his um, explanation, I, I want to jump the gun first and describe what's the significance of God being one, other than theoretical and kind of metaphysical, like good for a Sunday morning on a December day that we have nothing particularly important to do. But, but practically, where, where does it head to? Where is it going to? So l let me jump to gun two elements of where it is important. One, if let's say, for instance, if I, if I ask you, why are you acting the way you're acting? And the, and the person challenges me and says, who says I'm wrong? I say, well, there are many great theologians who have done, have given a lot more thought with a, with a lot greater understanding than you have deemed this activity wrong. Okay, but there are other theologians who don't think so. Other wise people, other wise philosophers say the opposite. You say, you, you tell me that private property is, 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 is the most righteous thing. There are many profound people and with a lot of nice arguments the other way. You can't pull rank on me. Um, and, and the truth is, my opinion is not to, you know, it's, it's as reasonable as the other opinion. There is no standard. If there are two ultimate entities, that means basically, you know, if, if let's say, and again, I, I use with tremendous caveat and it's to speak for Christians because I'm not Christian and I have not received smicha so from the Christians, so I can't speak on their behalf. But, you know, sort of the popular sense, and, and may, they, may the good Protestant fellows forgive me if I'm misstating it, but there's this sense of the devil fighting God and the devil being almost an equal. But if that's true, then maybe the devil's right. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, like if the devil and God are equal, then who's to say which of the two is right and wrong needs a standard. And if it's possible to see things in two ways, then there's no right or wrong. Um, just like in, in geometry, where if you could draw, uh, um, if you could draw universe with many uh, um, parallel lines or no parallel lines, um, then the, st the axiom that there is one and only one set of parallel lines doesn't hold. The best we can do is to say on a flat surface it holds really well. But 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 once I have two standards, that statement becomes meaningless. So is um, if if some people if if people some people feel this, some people that, unless I can so on a moral sense be able to say it is wrong, I need to reduce everything to one point. And if I and if I have two gods, if I believe in right and wrong, then I have a then I have a problem. Um, it's the same. It's it's one of the um, issues with the Trinity. There's a um, the Ramban who was a little bit slightly overlapped and slightly after the Maimonides. He was from the great, also the great thinkers and Talmudists. He lived in Spain, and his work on Chumash is one of the most fundamental works. Ramban and, and his work on, on, on the Talmud is is, is 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 really really one of the most important works. Um, he had to debate uh, Christian scholars 
as part of this was the price of living in Spain was there was always debates with Christian scholars and he, he, he posed the, the, the question to the person do you believe in one God or not and the person says well he's three but one one but three but the, the formula and he said let me ask you is it ever possible that God the Son and the Spirit can have a disagreement if they can't have a disagreement then 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 it's just words so if I say your name is your Yankel Jack and Jackie if Yankel Jack and Jackie have no distinguishing features of one over the other then it's the same person we're just using words so, so if you're referring to the same God with many words, so that's that. Then basically, it's one God, and 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 that's it's one of the same. If they can have a disagreement, then then we have three separate entities. And what do we do when there's a disagreement? When they're having a meeting, uh, God and the Son and, and the Spirit, and there's a bit of contention. So who's right? Who's to say? I don't know. It's a tough one. Um, and and. So if, if they cannot essentially disagree, then, it's one, then, then, then he says you're defining one thing. It's like saying that, the object standing there, and the thing. It, 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 you're using words. It's nothing more than that. If they can have a disagreement, then how do we decide right and wrong? That's, that is one very, very significant piece. We need a standard, and that standard can only be if we reduce God to one. If God, when he's in a good mood, likes X, and when he's in a bad mood, he likes Y, how do you decide which is what? Um, you know, it's it, when somebody, when somebody, when I interact with somebody, and in his good moods he likes something, his bad moods he doesn't like it. I immediately take it out of the realm of your good and bad. And I say depends on his mood. And you know, I, if I need to live with that person, I say, okay, on a day like this, I'll have to treat him this way, and I like to have to do it that way. But I, I don't see it as right or wrong. I see it as a question of mood. The second most important issue is, and the Rambam says it, is the following. Is there room in, in, in our activities? What is the picture of our life supposed to look like? So the Rambam says it on, he says one of the most profound passages in Pirkei Avot, in the chapter of our fathers is, all of your activities should be for the sake of heavens, as it says in the, in the verse, know him all your ways. Human life is extremely complex and includes many things, but they have to be able to add up to one great picture. It's a puzzle, and I may be giving charity with my money, I may be supporting a family, I may be working in order to get the money honestly to do that. I may be going to school to learn a trade. I may be going to school to learn a trade to fulfill the things I need to do for the world. But it all has to boil down to one picture. There is no room for activities outside. There's room, as long, for instance, if I take a vacation, I need to take a vacation because if I don't take a vacation, I will not work well, I'll not interact well, and so on. <coughs> but that limits the vacation to that. I, I need to ask myself on everything, and it can be 10 steps away, and, and, and that's the way it should be. But honestly, is, is, is there room for indulging when the indulgence is needed? Food should taste good because you're not going to eat it otherwise, and, 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 it's, and, and, you, and, and the person needs food and goods for the song. But if it becomes an end to itself, in other words, ends onto their own, other than a certain central point, 
is sort of a negation of the idea that we're the image of God. Um, it means our life needs to add up as much as possible to a certain point. This was the purpose of my life. This is where I come into the picture. And this is how I use all the bits and pieces. One of the things, one of the vivid illustrations I remember of something like that is, in my days when I was young, um, I wanted a popular pastime. I forget, we, we, we were very deprived. We had no wee boxes, we had no computers. The only computers took up like a whole building and somewhere in, 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 a, in, 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 the, in, the, in the army's uh, secret base. We, with no computers, TV a little bit. We, we actually did not have a TV at home. My parents did not want a TV. They thought it wasn't educational. We did a lot of reading actually. Those are books that you can pick up in the library and take them home and read them. We did a lot of those. But one of the things that was popular were building little models. They used to have in a drugstore like these plastic models of ships or, or I don't know if they have them. What? They used to have them. In my days, it costed like a dollar, dollar twenty-five for a simpler model and two something for the more complicated battleships and things. And you had glue. This was before they learned how to sniff glue. They had, they, we would get a little bit of glue and stick in the pieces and so on. I'm not terribly dexterous with my hands. I'm not terribly good at it. And the thing I learned over time was the following. So, so, so you would get them on these plastic pieces, um, you know, snap them off, and glue them into the place. <coughs> if you were short any pieces at the end, or had extra pieces, you messed it up. They never ever included more or less pieces. They gave you exactly all the pieces you needed. And, and if, you, if you're stuck at the end with some holes that didn't have guns in them, you'd put guns in the wrong places that didn't belong. And if you had extra pieces, something was missing and you just didn't know what it was missing. That was like a, a cloud god like found. And the same thing is with life. The idea of God being one and us being a reflection means that the bits and the pieces... I think there's a famous saying about a Russian novel that if there was a gun hanging over the um, fireplace at the beginning of the novel, it had to have been shot before the end. I don't, I don't remember exactly its application, like, but I, I think it was on Russian novels, that somewhere there are no extra pieces there. And same things with life, you know, it's, it's a reflection of if God is one, purpose is one, man in the image of God reflects that, and the question is how to use, and that's why the Torah deals with so many different activities of human life. Work, marriage, eating, relating to other people, communities, war, peace. These are all part of human activities and everything needs a place and a time, how to fall in and, and a way to do it. This is, I sidetracked a bit to give it a, more of a flavor because the problem is it sounds so abstract and so kind of metaphysical, but it really in a certain sense it's the core of the religion because it gives an, ent an entirely different face to A, the fact that we can rate our activities by having one God. For somebody who believes in idols, so I, I, I might bring a sacrifice to the God of wind, but maybe to prevent the sandy, the sandy I should have done it to the God of water. Maybe the God of water is stronger than the God of wind, and then, you know, it, it, you know I, I, once I can pick and choose, who's to say if, if the God of sun approves of, my, of, of me that the God of wind has the right there's no right or wrong because there's no standard to bring it to. Let's take a look at his proof. And it's fascinating how Maimonides proves it. 
Um, it is in line an earlier person than Maimonides, who in a certain sense, I think he considered his rabbi, was somebody called Sadiq Gaon. Sadiq Gaon, just interesting to know a little bit about Jewish history. In the, after the Talmud was sealed, canonized, um, not canonized in the sense of, of, the, of, the, of the Tanakh, but it, it, it was sealed and that was the end of, the, of that era. So let's, let's give it 300, 400 as, as the year, kind of. From that time until about the year 1000, the, the two Jewish centers were North Africa and Iraq. Or what is today North Africa and Iraq? I mean, they, they, it's, it's meaningless, the names of countries are meaningless, but those areas. And they had two academies that were the big academies. And they were headed by a, a they, there were two figures that were the leaders of the Jewish people. There was the educational rabbi, the head of it, and he was called the Gaon. And there was a long change of Gaonim, who they were considered the highest authority, and they would write responsa. Whenever somebody had a question, they would, they would show the relevant passage of Talmud and explain it. They also had a political leader who not always got on with, with the Gaon. The, the politics are very, very innate part of Judaism. And Sadia Gaon was from the very last Gaonim. He lived about 900 or so. I'm not, I mean, I can, I can give you the dates within 100 years. I'm not, I'm not good at the exact years. And his, the primary work we have from him is called Emunas Vedeus, which is faith and beliefs. And it's a precursor. I think the Rambam took a lot from him. I think it's, he's considered as being. And he and he writes a very similar proof. The Rambam puts it in a nutshell. Let's see it inside. For those you can follow. If there were many gods, if God could be many, they would have to be bodies and entities. Things that are equal, that I try to enumerate as separate entities, are not nifradim zemzeh, cannot be distinguished from each other, except through things that happen to physical beings. Let's take that example. If I say there are two tables, I say, okay, um, table A and table B, that's fine. So uh, describe it. Well, table A is longer than table B. Table A is wider than table B. No, table A and table B are exactly equivalent. Okay, so table A is in this part of the room. It takes up these coordinates. The table B takes up those coordinates. No, they take up the same coordinates. Okay, I get it. Table A was here from December 1st to December 5th, and table B is here from December 6th to December 10th. No. Same time, same place, same exact table. Then the word table A and table B doesn't mean anything. Then, then you just quote the Yiddish, you drag a cup. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's one and the same. Define. You, you've got to give me a distinguishing feature. And when I distinguish something, the only way I can distinguish it is by creating some boundaries for each one. I need to be able to say defining measurements. If I say two things are infinite, then I could say uh, infinite in different universes, different times. 
but, but if I either or either I define them, which means I put some limitations in order to give each one meaning, or they're one and the same, and I'm just draining a cup. So if I call Hashem or Kim, you know. A, um, I use the adult name or whatever it is, all of them are one and the same because I'm not saying there's anything about Hashem that doesn't exist in the Lakim, Hashem. I use different names to describe it. So just like I can refer to a person with six different names and it's meaningless because it's one and the same, then, then it's. Uh, I, I remember there was in class when we were learning Talmud, the rabbis sometimes took for granted that we don't know much about the background of different works that we use. So I remember we were taught a certain opinion in, in halacha, in the Talmud, and the, um, then we were tested on it. And the person, and the person testing was a different rabbi. He came around and he asked, "So how many? Who's of the opinion X or Y?" And one of my friends answered, "There are three opinions. Three, three opinions ascribed to that." I said, "Really? Who?" He said, "The Teferis Yaakov." And Rabbi Yaakov Gesundheit and the Rabbi Warsaw. And like was stunned silence and then he, he laughed because they were one person. In other words, there was a book called Teferis Yaakov written by Rabbi Yaakov Gesundheit who was the Rabbi of Warsaw. When the Rabbi told her over, he said, this, this opinion is the Teferis Yaakov. Rabbi Yaakov Gesundheit and Warsaw wrote. My friend listening somehow thought that it was three different opinions. And, and you know, and and it's it's one and the same. He said, so I need to def if I if I am to make two gods, I need to limit each one somehow. He said, and and more than that, I need to describe some body. I need to make God into a body. Now, and if the creator was a body of sorts. Locates with tachlis. He would be finite. I'm not sure why the Ramam needs the middle step, but he puts it at middle step. She actually does gufshen lokets because when I say an entity, a body, something corporal, it has to have boundaries. And let me, let's even take things that are not corporal. Math. Math. Let's go slow. Let's take um, chemistry includes all physical entities we know of. Chemistry does not deal well with describing um, money and how money acts in a market. Math is a higher science. It can describe chemical interactions, monetary interactions, biological phenomena. But math doesn't describe paintings. There's no formula for a nice painting and not a nice painting. So, so math also is bounded. It, it has limitations. So, so all, all of these things are entities that have that are contained. I'm not sure why Maimonides brings it through the idea of a goof. But the whole sheyesh kates v'tachlis and anything which is bounded, its its abilities and 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 its power is limited. And now he goes back to his previous point. And again, Maimonides is is building it off this. The most the most visible phenomena of God's endless power is. The, 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 the heavens and earth rotating endlessly without any stop to it. The Lokeinu Ba Shmai Hold the Kochen locates the Eino Pose Shagalgal Sovet Tomit. The fact that motion is forever, 
in Kohokov, we can't call it a physical entity. And being that it has Holvein or Gufli or Omarosa Guf, and once it's not a body, it does not, you can't ascribe to it things that would be corporal. So we, last time we said for us, that takeoff is not, it doesn't work all that well. We do, we do ascribe motion as being constant and ever, unless stopped by something. That's our perspective. But, 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 the, but the core of the argument doesn't make no difference. If, if he brought the world into being and, and everything in it, he can't be bound by the things in the world. The world, by, everything in the world is bound by the law of, you need of conservation of energy matter. Things need to come from things. Once we define the God as being outside of that, we can't put him into the box of this world. So anytime you describe something, you limit it, and limiting God defeats our our definition of God. And we needed something that's not bound by those laws, so we can't put him back into the system again. Um, Okay. The knowledge and awareness of this is the mitzvah of belief in unity of God, which, which is expressed in the verse that Hashem is Echad. So, going back to our original point, that um, when he says the belief and understanding, the Rambam says in Guide to Perplex, He's very, very strong about against Christians and Muslims. He says, when you say something that those words are meaningless to you, that's not called belief. Proclaiming a belief when when you don't have a, a sense of what you are grasping is not called belief. To believe something means you have a handle on it. So to say God is three but one, one but three, is something that is um, that's meaningless, and therefore that's not a faith. Or his issue with a Muslim person was speaking about God and his attributes. He's one, but his attributes are many. If it, if it's understood in terms of God, then you're saying a sentence that really, really is not meaningful. And that's why he is is very, very. You know, and it says we have to be able to at least picture it. I, I want to add an explanation, one more explanation by someone else that I think will help us complete the picture of the Rambam. The, the, I'm using Lutzato, Moshe Chaim Lutzato. He was an extraordinary person, sorry thinker who lived um, in the 1700s, the middle of the 1700s. And he was Italian, I think I mentioned before. He died in his mid-30s. The man was a real polymath. He, he really, really knew. He was an astounding knowledgeable person. He wrote works on Kabbalah, on Musser, on logic, on rhetoric. Um, he composed a lot of things, plays. He was an extraordinary person. I, and, and he died in his mid-30s. I mean, it, it makes us wonder like how, how how well we use our time. He was a mystic, he was a rationalist. Very interesting, he could be a mystic and a rationalist together, but he tried to impose a certain rational um, vocabulary on mysticism. Very, very amazing person. 
And one of his works is called Derech Hashem, The Path of God, which is an outline of fundamental beliefs. It's, it's popular study. One of his most popular ethical works is called Mesil Sasharim, which is a way of self-improvement and so on. And really amazing. But um, I, I wanted to, to um, use it more. To, in one of his works, he describes why is the belief in one God the essential belief that we revolve around? Why is that the point that we're always talking about? So he says the following. Um, if I say God is smart, I'm not doing it justice. How smart is God? Well, a lot smarter I can imagine. What does it mean he's infinitely smart? I don't know. I don't know, I know what those words mean. And therefore, it's, it's a meaningless term to me. Can I define God by saying he's not stupid? Well, it's true God is not stupid. But that's not, that's not a terribly... Many people I know are not stupid, but are not terribly bright. If I say somebody's not weak, A, I usually, it usually means that he's not weak, but he's not terribly strong. And I also... Defining something is not weak does not define God as being, it does not define his strength. So if I were to say God is not weak, God is not stupid, God is not mean, I would not have done any terrible justice defining God. So I'm stuck. I can't define God in terms of being infinitely smart because I don't know what that means. I can't define him in terms of not being stupid because it's a true statement, but it doesn't give me any sense of a handle on what God is. Of all the things of God, let, let's, let's take one thing. In math, not math, in logic, I can confirm something either by direct proof or by eliminating any other possibility. So let's say if I'm a detective, uh, I can find the suspect by doing Sherlock Holmes and getting down and looking at the threads and the, and the glue and whatever else left over and find the culprit. Or I can say there are only 10 people on the island and if I eliminate nine of them, uh, only one is left. Except if you're a very good writer and, and uh, I, I forgot what was the name again. I used to read all of this stuff. You know, with, with, then there was one. What? Agatha Christie, yeah. I, I was. Uh, I think I made a seam on everything she wrote. I, there was a time I read through everything. She's amazing. And then there was one, and then obviously that guy was not. The, the last guy was killed also. So obviously you were misled on the whole thing. Fine. So so you can eliminate nine suspects out of ten, and then by default you're left with one, and that's perfectly valid. So in geometry, you prove by disproving A cannot be greater than this, and A cannot be smaller than this, then it must be this. It's a perfectly valid proof. He said, so of the only things, of the, of the descriptions of God, the only one that allows itself to be proven by proving other entities is God's ones. Our biggest struggle in the world is the complexity of the world. The doctor heals us, our boss gives us our salary, society makes us feel approved and so on. The world has many bits and pieces that contribute to our welfare and well-being. As I eliminate all the idols, sort of in, in, in um, quotation marks, I'm left with one choice. If I say, you know, at the end, science will take us very, very far, but it's not going to take us the ultimate understanding. If 
philosophy will, 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 will propose many good points, but it's not going to give us morality at the end. Economic endeavor will be very helpful, but at the end of the day, that, that's not going to, that in itself is not going to sign and so on. On a personal level, there, there are things that I'm beholden to on, on, on a, an intellectual level. As I eliminate the idols, which means the alternatives, I'm left with God. So just like when I, you know, you ever see those optical illusions, or sort of, I don't know if they call illusions, where you have, a, it can, you can see two faces or you can see a white cup. You can paint black on the outside and, and something stands out on the inside. By getting rid of everything else, I, I can be left with God. So if you're talking about strength, wisdom, anything else, eliminating the negative is not going to describe the positive. And the positive, if it's infinite, I, I don't have a way to describe it that's meaningful. The only thing I can do is eliminate alternatives and then I'm left with the truth. Yes, a person has gone through a whole life of experiences. And he says, you know, I thought that if I would do X, I would get ahead. And if I thought if I would rely on Y, I would make it. And, I, and Z has the answers. When I eliminate everything else, I'm left with that. So, so, so Ramchal says God's unity is significant to us because of um, the fact that it's the only one that we can actually do something to put into place in a meaningful way. So we don't understand what it means God is infinite, but when I've taken out all the other possibilities, I'm left with that. So, um, I, I'm, I, there's an article actually, there is a review, I, I, know, I get the New Republic, um, it's the last one, I, uh, and there is a review of a book by somebody called Thomas Nagel, Nagel. he's, a, he's a, 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 a professor of philosophy emeritus, he's put out a lot of books in Oxford Press, and this is another one, and basically he says science and naturalism has no explanation whatsoever for, for the universe, it's all bunk and so on and so forth, but we should not rely on God for the answer, and God is not the answer. Um, which is amazing. I mean, his own answer, I didn't read the book, I read the review. His only answer is a fudge, I think. But um, he sort of wells, I don't know. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't address, if I'm to believe the way the book is, is reviewed. But we should, by eliminating any natural cause, we should be able to say that the cause is not natural, like we got to say in the beginning. It's something that we don't understand. It's there, even though we don't understand it. Because anything we do understand doesn't lead us to it. Let's just recap the points we've made and we'll leave with that. So, Maimonides in, in six and in, in seven over here is um, in, 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 the, in, in, in the seventh paragraph, explains to us the belief of God's unity. Maimonides um, builds the belief in unity as an outgrowth of the belief in incorporeality, or at least a synonymous, because to define some, to, to, that something be more than one, you need to define them, and any definition automatically means it's an entity, it's a body, even if it's not a physical body, but it's a thing that can be defined. Um, Maimonides says that's impossible because the God that we predicated was a God that's infinite. So the minute you've limited him, there's going to be some limitations. Um, he says what's included in God's unity is there is no other force 
outside of God. You know, there's some that can contend with God. That's one. And that God itself is not simply um, defined as a common denominator of many elements, which is sort of, in a sense, what Spinoza tried to do. I, I, again, it's very hard to tell. I have a hard time when you read somebody to know what he means just by reading. But in other words, the idea of, 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 the, of, of the sum total of everything being God, that's not unity, because you need the bits and pieces. Um, if there were no animals in the world, the idea of all animals would be meaningless, the term animal would be meaningless, unless there are animals. Um, and also, you cannot subdivide God and speak of God's um, parts, moods, um, a beliefs, any, anything that would subdivide God, all of those are, are, are not correct. This belief, he said, as such, meaning to become aware of it in a way where it sits well on you, and 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 it and 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 and, you, and, and it's something that you ascribe to and you have a handle on it. it falls under the verse of Hashem Elokein Hashem Echad. God, our Lord, is one. And um, we brought in uh, another um, another description to help us with it. In terms of this is the only this is the only belief that we can attain it fully by dealing with things we do not. By, by crossing off everything we can possibly entertain as being the answer, we're left with God. That, that is a, a, a so uni God's unity is something which we could attain by eliminating alternative possibilities as opposed to other things. We also introduced two ideas where the idea of God's unity is important to us. One is we can have an absolute moral standard if everything boils down to one unit then it's possible to have a standard if everything were to boil down to two or more units then how do we know which standard is right then no standard is absolute no standard is right if you have two conflicting standards then they neither would be could be right and finally it's an important perspective on, on, on our life, our life, if we're the image of God and we're the purpose of creation, then we also have a purpose, and that purpose takes all different elements of a lifetime and is meant to put the pieces into, into one picture. Um, we, we, when, we, when we look at something, is it a worthwhile activity to pursue or not, we have to ask ourselves, where does it fit in? Is it leading to some sort of big mosaic, or is it just a piece that kind of work on its own? Okay, we'll hold it here. What was the name of this Italian rabbi? Luzzato. There were two, if, you, if you're going to look it up in an encyclopedia, there, were, there was a Luzzato later whose name...